as women hormone ebbs and flows are pivotal in how we sleep every one of us has unique times of the cycle when our sleep is impacted in today's episode we will answer three questions what happens with hormones and sleep in different phases of the menstrual cycle how can you tweak your food to support sleep during certain phases how do we manage phases in perimenopause i wanted to explore this topic with my guest today dr beth westy dr beth is the author of the best selling book the female fat solution the creator of the 12 week female hormone solution the eat for your cycle method and the host of the female health solution podcast she has made it her mission to change the way women view their health let's get started hey everyone i'm deepa light functional medicine practitioner author and yogini and you're listening to the sleep whisperer podcast the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Dr. Beth, welcome back to the Sleep Whisperer podcast and we had you earlier on the episode talking about sleep and hormones and that interconnection but we did go a little bit the other day into uh the different phases of the cycle and we were talking about how sleep can get disrupted at specific phases of the cycle i did want to have you back to talk about this so today we're just talking about the different ways we can support our hormones through the cycle in order to support better sleep and better health and let's first just define the cycle and let's begin with let's uh, start with maybe looking at a predictable cycle of 28 or 30 days and let's define those phases clearly and then we can go into how do we actually support our hormones and our sleep through those different phases yeah yeah absolutely so the well thank you for having me back <laughs> and uh I I love talking about this. So when we look at the hormonal cycle and this is something that I feel like we do not get educated on enough at this and if you're hearing information for the first time like don't be discouraged if you're like oh I feel like I should have known this why didn't I know this a lot of gals are not told right how our hormones work how our bodies work and that type of a thing so really when we talk about the cycle the 28 day cycle your menstrual cycle day 1 is the first day that your period starts this is not when spotting starts spotting is something that is just light and and you know comes and goes this would be it is 
and that can last anywhere from three to five to even seven days. Um, and then it would stop until your cycle starts again the next month, like you said, 28 or 30 days later. Um, some women do experience some spotting right around ovulation. So that would be about day 14, 14 or 15 in the cycle. And then the second half of your cycle, um, you know, and the first half of the cycle then is estrogen is uh, higher, you know, more dominant hormone there. And then the second half of the cycle after ovulation, progesterone is the more dominant hormone there. Yes. So let's break down each of those cycles. Maybe we begin not with our menstrual cycle. Let's come to that at the end. Let's talk about the follicular phase. When we finish our period, our hormones are at a low. What's happening to us? Because that's the time I usually, the moment my period ends, sometimes I have a headache. Uh, So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about what's happening within us and uh, what do we do during that phase to better support ourselves? Is that that's not really a phase where I have any sleep challenges, but maybe other women do. So let's talk a little bit about uh, right when we finish with our bleeding phase and we're leading up towards ovulation. Yeah, yeah. So the follicular phase um, is very different. And a lot of times women will notice they have more energy. They're going to be more active during the day. Um, your memory is a little bit better. It's easier to remember to do tasks, things like that. Your digestive system is going to work better, right? Things move along. You might not feel as bloated or constipated, those types of things. Um, you might be, you might feel stronger, right? That one of my, um, my favorite things to describe is that if you go for a run on day 10 of your cycle, I'm, I'm, you know, trucking along here. I feel so fit. Yeah. I'm really in shape because your body's just so responsive. Um, it it actually can help your skin too. Estrogen produces more collagen, more hyaluronic acid. So sometimes our skin like might look brighter, look clearer, you know, that type of thing. So it's literally, if you're like, gosh, I feel really great. And I feel like I look better during these weeks of my cycle. Absolutely. (laughs) That is the estrogen and what it's doing for us. So so that's that follicular phase. And I think also, Dr. Beth, when you describe that, it's a great reminder to many of us as women that there's sometimes estrogen gets vilified and, you know, estrogen has some great roles to play and it's not always that estrogen is bad. And I think that was a great reminder to see that estrogen is actually giving you the great skin. Yes, it do- it really does. And you're absolutely right. Like too much of it is not great for us too much of it. When it gets out of hand, um, it becomes a problem, but when it's in the proper amounts in our systems, Ooh, it's the best. <laughs> it's the best. We feel good. Our guts feel good. Our skin looks good all of it. You know, you're going to sleep better, have more energy, recover from workouts, better, all of it. Yeah. Mood is usually more stable at this point too. Yeah. Are there specific things that we can do during that phase in terms of what we eat, even though our sleep might be great? Is there a kind of a blueprint to how do we manage ourselves in the follicular phase? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. One of my favorite things to talk about here is um, eating for estrogen 
So your basal body temperature is actually lower at this point. So aligning with that, with the foods that you're eating and the tone of the foods that you're eating, eating cooling foods. So chicken, turkey, not just having them cooked as much and our digestive systems are working better. So physically we can break them down better and then using cooling spices more often than using warming spices. That's going to help our systems align with the estrogen, with that follicular phase better because our basal body temperatures are lower and we want them lower. We're encouraging that to happen at that point, um, that and getting enough protein in making sure we're fueling our bodies, fueling our muscles. This is also the point where your body's actually going to build and repair lean muscle the best, the absolute best. So making sure you're eating enough protein to fuel your muscle tissue is key. Yeah. And uh, you, I mean, to me, I, it popped in my head because you said it's a, it's a cooling phase. Estrogen keeps our basal body temperature a bit lower. Um, and I can hear some listeners asking you the question that, do we want to be eating cooling foods at that time? So I just want you to clarify that. So if it's a cooling phase, do we, why do we need the cooling foods? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So we're looking for this, um, the counterbalance of the follicular and luteal of the estrogen and progesterone. And it's, it's one of those things that it, it sort of gets ingrained in our heads of, oh, to balance your hormones, you need to like eat these things and like our bodies do. Our bodies change all throughout the entire month. So we want to help lower our, like keep that, like it doesn't lower it too much to eat cooling foods. It just helps align with that lower basal body temperature in that estrogen phase. And it doesn't make your estrogens go too high or anything like that. It just helps it differentiate between that phase and the next phase, the warming phase. Otherwise there's no differentiation. And this allows your body to have this set pattern to go off of, um, the thing we forget sometimes is that like our hormones are impressionable. They're able to shift and change from other influences. Um, you know, if you're stressed out, you can be, your period can be late or you can skip a period. Right. Um, if you've ever played on a sports team, um, I was an athlete. I played all the sports <laughs> growing up. Um, so every single team I was on with other girls, it would not take very long. And all of our cycles would link up all of us you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I see, I used to see it in my dogs at home and all the females would sync up and it would be so fascinating. One would start and every one of them would follow. And it was, I think it just crosses all species to uh, that yes. sync up very quickly. And um, so we spoke about the follicular phase and when we come towards ovulation, as I said, that it used to be really my chaotic sleep. It nothing would I would just be wide awake no matter what I ate, no matter what supplement I took, however I played around with relaxing myself. I think there's this huge fluctuation of several hormones that happens during ovulation. So let's talk a little bit about what's happening. What can we expect? What can we do to better support that phase? Because that is a time 
while I could recognize it was because of ovulation that these things were happening, as I said, I come across a lot of women who are a bit confused as to how do I know that I'm ovulating? So maybe we begin with that. Yeah. Yes. Great question. How do I really know if I'm ovulating? There will be some very uh, specific signs and signals from your body um, to really listen to your body and to see there's going to be a change in the cervical mucus that you have that really tells your body, oh, yep, I am about to ovulate or I just ovulated. Um, and, and there really is a very short time frame for ovulation. It's really about a 24 hour time frame. So it, it can be, once you learn the signals from your body, you can really narrow it down to a very specific time. There are some women who say that they can really feel it. They're like, I, I swear I can feel boom. when I ovulate. Um, so some people, some gals are, are, you know, more sensitive to that, to that feeling. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and then the other side of it too, besides cervical mucus and everything else, um, you would have that spike in temperature and in, in basal body temperature. So your temperature would actually rise very, very rapidly from one day to the next. Very, very change because your cervical mucus changes. You also might notice that your nose mucus changes. Maybe you notice that you sneeze more. You know, maybe you notice that you have a little tickle in your throat or, or something going on there. There's some gals who notice that, um, you also can have an increase in your ability to smell things at that time because of the mucus change and everything in your body. It's like, wow. Oh, I can smell. <laughs> there was one time. This was so funny. Um, I, my husband took his shoes off and was, and went to sit on the couch near me. And I could, and he was on the other end of the couch. And I was like, I can smell your feet. I can smell your feet from six feet away, mister. Come on. <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't smell them two days earlier, but I could smell them then. Things like that can be little signals of, yeah, that those are, you compile all this, you know, data and evidence together. Yep. That's your, you're ovulating for sure. Yeah. And I think it's also good to discuss these things with your partner and make a joke of it so that, you know, it's not offensive when we say things like that. And then it just becomes a joke between the two of you. So there's that side as well. But what's, what can go wrong in terms of symptoms? Like I know for me, sleeplessness is a huge one, but what generally happens apart from, I know that also one more thing, when you're talking about the cervical mucus, I also came across a few women because they couldn't really relate to the fact that it might be ovulation. They thought they were having a yeast infection and then using vaginal suppositories. And we don't want to be doing that. It's just natural lubrication that's happening. Isn't that right? Yes, absolutely. Like the reason our body produces that kind of And when I talk about it changes, sometimes people just talk about the consistency of it. You know, it's like thinner, it's slipperier. It can change in color. It can change in smell, you know, how it smells to you. Um, again, at a time where you're, you've got the nose of a bloodhound at the same time. Um, but it's, it does that because it is giving, you know, your body's job is to try and present the best opportunity for a fertilized egg every month. 
that, that's what it's doing. It has to have a great freeway and that's what that cervical mucus is. So it will change because of that. It is not bad. It's not wrong. It is actually your body doing the right thing and using suppositories actually disrupts the natural chemistry in you know, you're in your vagina and everything else. And it can really disrupt how your body produces things and could create more issues if that's a recurrent thing that is done. So natural is best, you know, they have all these things too, like a douches or creams or all these other things. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, like, like you're not supposed to smell. It's like, no, that's part of being human. That's part of, yeah, absolutely. And I think there's also a science to that of pheromones and how we uh, used to attract our meats because that's a part of the um, meeting process where we send out the signal of attraction to the partner. And uh, there are some research pointing towards these pheromones from, and we don't want to be killing that. We're killing our meat's desire for us in the process. Uh, so yeah. what can we actually do for ourselves? What can we eat? What can we support ourselves with? Yeah, around that ovulation time, um, one of the most important things is actually to be getting enough, besides protein, is healthy fats, is to be getting enough healthy fats. Um, there's a lot of rapid change or two during ovulation, like, like from a 48-hour span chemistry, hormones, all this other stuff is just come wildly different in your system. And so you're living in a different body all of a sudden and to regulate your system, one nutritionally, making sure that you're, you know, really being good to yourself, not restricting things, not cutting things out, not over exercising, not cutting back on sleep, things like that. If you, there are some women who time to rest, taking extra time to, you know, slow down. If you need to take an extra rest day, absolutely do that. Um, not scheduling a ton of things for yourself. Like there's this, there's so many things we can do with our lifestyle to, to alter how we live because we, we can, we can do like realize, Oh, I'm going to be ovulating around this time next week. I don't feel great when I ovulate. So I'm not going to schedule a big project at that time. Yeah, totally. That's way easier on your body and your system then. Um, because that you get to navigate this then, and then, yeah, the adding in enough healthy fats to help regulate your system while you're going through this change. Yeah. Let's, and let's talk luteal because luteal can represent sleep chaos completely. And, um, could you define also when we say luteal phase is the entire luteal phase, the same, it's a longer, phase so are there different nuances to it earlier later more I mean why do we feel that chaos of sleeplessness maybe just a few days before our period so what is actually happening there yeah oh great question so at this point when the luteal phase starts and that's right after ovulation um there is a there is a big switch over of estrogen to there should be a big <laughs> switch over estrogen to progesterone. And if that does not happen, create a lot of issues. And if you have excess estrogen 
in your system, then that progesterone doesn't actually get to rise to the level that it should be at. That's one of the great things about uh, the, the female body that it shifts and changes and all these other things. And these counterbalances are supposed to keep each other in check. But if there's a glitch in the system, then that estrogen will stay too high. Progesterone doesn't get to rise as much as it. So, so what this looks like, especially if you're tracking basal body temperature, it might look like your basal body temperature spikes, but then drops back down again, or it only spikes spikes for a few days. It doesn't stay high and it kind of slopes down again. You know, that would mean that your progesterone is not actually rising like it should and staying high and strong, overtaking the estrogen at that point. Um, there are some gals, like, again, if you're tracking basal body temperature, this is one of the things that I talk a lot about, um, you know, with, with cycle regulation is the basal body temperature. If you're tracking it and you realize, okay, my basal body temperature did not rise on day 14, it did on day 20. And then, so does that mean my luteal phase is shorter? Yeah. Yeah. That means that that estrogen is still too high, too long and not dropping and letting progesterone take over. So it's really important that you're doing all these things to help your system support that, that luteal phase. Um, and that can help those hormones regulate better. Cause when you don't have the right timing to get that good rest and to let your, like, cause you're, it's like your brain will not let you sleep, no matter how hard you try, your brain just won't let you sleep. So those can be the things to help with that phase. But what can, how, how do we check, do we monitor basal body temperature the same time, the same way? How do we do that through the cycle? Yeah, yes, great question. So measuring your basal body temperature, um, some people have a watch or there's a ring or something that you can wear. Doing it off of timing, I do not think is accurate enough. Just counting days. Like there's a, oh, I have an app on my phone. Well, <laughs> you put the data in there. <laughs> it's not tracking your basal body temperature. The best way to do it, honestly, is when you wake up in the morning, there, like have a thermometer right next to your bed, take your temperature, write it down. And you should wake up about the same time every single day. That is basal body temperature. And <sighs> there are sometimes too where they... <sighs> They say, oh, this is a fancy basal body thermometer. And it's like $10 more than a rate. It's just a regular thermometer. You don't need to buy a fa fancy thing. I don't know. It's like a, it's like a wedding thing. It's like, oh, this is a candle and it's $5. Oh, a wedding candle. It's $50. Like it's just, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's a regular thermometer works. I've seen the, oh, I've seen some crazy things. People are like, oh, I'm tracking my fertility. So I need this fertility thermometer. I was like, it's still a thermometer. They're just charging you more for it. Yeah, absolutely. The regular too. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah. so when you say, so let's talk a little bit because you did go into the cooling phase and the follicular phase. So let's talk about the warmth, the heat, and what do we do? So do we eat warming foods? Do we eat cooling foods? Yeah. Yeah. So as I, you know, after ovulation to help encourage the production and maintenance of progesterone, we switch over into warming phase, you know, beef and bacon, uh, you know, red meats are more warming, um, cooking your fruits and vegetables, more breaking down that fibrous component of them because our digestive systems also are just, they're not working quite as well. They're not you know, cranking along at the same speed that they used to. 
So breaking down that food can actually help you absorb more than nutrient from the food um, that you wouldn't be absorbing otherwise. And then um, spices, you know, uh, peppers, Ooh. you know. I love yeah. spices. So I think they're the potent digestive aids. Yes, yes. You know, uh, any anything spicy, um, cayenne, chili peppers, all of it, ginger, uh, turmeric, uh, cinnamon, nutmeg, you know, all those things. My favorite thing to add into my water bottle is just slices of fresh ginger. I use, you know, I drink out of a mason jar. In the warming phase, I'll put slices of fresh ginger in there. And in the cooling phase, I'll either put mint leaves in there or I'll use um, like essential oil, like peppermint oil in there to cooling and warming. Nice. And so yeah. when we come very close to a period, why do we just go crazy with our sleep? It's almost as if we just, there is no button to switch on for sleep. It's ridiculous. Yeah, this, there's a lot of things that are happening in the body at once. One of them is there's a rapid decline in these hormones. And again, your body has to process these hormones very quickly. And if your digestive system is not moving at a good speed and it has a harder time at this point, so oftentimes it's not, if your liver is not processing and the other thing about this too, is that in this phase, in the, in the luteal phase, your body actually uploads hydration differently. So there's a lot of gals that don't realize they're like, Oh, I feel so bloated. I feel so puffy. I got to drink more water. The more water you drink, the more puffy you get, you actually need electrolytes and salts in your water to help upload that hydration into your cells. So, so it's like, we're, we're not quite hydrating well. So you're, you know, slightly dehydrated Your your guts slower. You're not liver's not processing, you know, you're, you're puffy and bloated and, and you're just not feeling as good. And there's this rapid change in hormone that all compiles to, yup, you are, your body doesn't have the, the good fuel that it normally would to sleep very well. And so, so do we just accept that and just give it <laughs> or do we do something about it? Yes. Yeah. So this is where, um, you know, I recommend, you know, adding in more electrolytes, you know, to, to the water that you're drinking, making sure sure that you're feeling, you actually need more nutrient during this time too. So a couple of my favorite things to layer in, in this phase specifically, that actually help us because sometimes people say, oh, take melatonin or try chamomile or valerian or L-theanine. These are all supplements and things that can help with sleep and they might help, but sometimes it's like on a functional level that your body's just not really coming down. Eating straight protein right before you go to bed is one of the number. And it, and it, it doesn't matter what type of protein it is. It can be you know, a bunch of egg whites, it can be turkey slices, it can be, um, protein powder. That's, that's my favorite way to do it actually, is I get this, um, I use a pea protein, uh, you know, it's, it's a plant-based cause my stomach does not like dairy that well. And I mix in, I use chocolate and then I mix in a little almond milk and I make this little paste. Oh, it tastes like cookie dough. Oh, it's so good. Eat that right before bed. Yum. And it actually, 
Yeah. It's super good. It's super, it sounds super weird. It looks really weird. I know, but it's really good. And it actually helps your body sleep way better. And that's one of the number one things that I will mention to gals when they say they have a hard time sleeping, especially during certain phases of the cycle that actually eating straight protein, like 30 minutes before you go to bed, that's one of the best things for you. And it is a very hard thing to do because we're often told don't eat before bed. You know, you're going to gain, you're going to gain a ton of weight if you eat before bed. Nope. We're just eating protein. We're helping your body, you know, rest better. And there's a lot of gals that have said, oh my gosh. Yeah. I actually, I fall asleep and I sleep really deeply when I eat protein before bed. And I mean, thinking about not eating before bed, it's like also that we're trying to fit ourselves into some ideal practice. And what's a better ideal practice than improving your sleep? Um, You could starve at night trying to lose weight. But if you're awake all night, you're going to gain weight, you're not going to lose weight, whatever you do. So it's kind of counter to the whole thing. So I think your priority should be into what can I do? How can I hack my sleep to be better? That was great. So let's just come. I know we're almost out of time that I do want us to talk a little bit about the menstrual phase, what happens when we get our period and what can we do? That's the time women can feel depleted. I think usually women have low iron. That's a tricky time and then you know then low iron can cause issues with sleep as well so talk a little bit through the menstrual phase yeah absolutely so this is a phase that it is really tough if you're coming into it depleted and again that luteal phase you actually need more calorie more nutrient during that phase than any other time of the month so if you and if you've been drinking water and not hydrating correctly. Again, your cells are not getting the hydration. So you're coming into this at the start of your period, you know, undernourished and, you know, under hydrated, that makes everything that much worse because it's a lot of energy to, you know, go through your menses to shed that uterine lining and everything else. And, and it it is a lot for your system to, to change. Um, there was somebody I talked to this week who she's, Cause her, her cycle is so heavy. And it's like, she's like, just when I feel like I catch up to it throughout the month, like I, I get my iron levels up. She's like, my period starts again. And then I get depleted again. And it's, it's something that you have to really focus on over nourishing your body. So you're not depleted when you're going through that. Cause it is a, it is just, it's a phase where your system's going to turn a lot of things over. It's, it's cleansing. It's, you know, detoxifying in and of itself. Um, but it takes a certain amount of energy to have a detox. So that's the thing where it gets to be really hard. If you're coming into it depleted, it is going to be a rough go of it. Yeah. Let's just conclude, Dr. Beth, talking a little bit about how do we manage these hormones phases when we're in perimenopause, because right now I'm having a cycle sometimes every 18 days, sometimes every 45 days. And uh, I, I mean, I don't have symptoms of chaos, so it's okay. But uh, I know a lot of women have much more severe symptoms with the, how the cycle is spacing up or changing up. So what can we really do? Because sleep is a big issue for many perimenopausal women. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And this, this, I oftentimes find that, you know, women who had 
some issues while they were having a cycle, it gets worse during perimenopause. And it's related to how your body's processing these hormones. Going through perimenopause, your body's not going to be processing them any better on its own without any help or assistance. So that perimenopause, perimenopause phase is estrogen will drop first and then progesterone should drop. But if you have had an excess of estrogen, that drop of estrogen will happen and it'll sort of just come into a mid range area and then progesterone drops and it drops way low. So you're still left with excess estrogen there that then can create other symptoms. Um, mood swings like crazy. Um, there can be, um, a lot of hot flashes or other discomfort that women have because of that. So really maintaining liver and digestion, liver and digestion are some of the top two things to really focus on. Make sure you have good gut health, make sure you're, if you're not digesting food, well, to get enzymes, probiotics, things like that. Um, and then when we look at, um, you know, uh, liver, it's, it's taking things that are, you know, good liver support things that are going to help your liver function better. Great, Dr. Beth. Let's leave our listeners with your top three takeaways on how to manage sleep and hormones. Okay. <laughs> top three takeaways. Um, number one is going to be get more protein in. Number one, if nothing else that you do, if you're like, gosh, I don't know that this warming and cooling, that sounds great, but man, I don't know if I could go into just start eating more protein. Um, that is, that is going to be one of the fastest things that you'll notice an improvement from number two, um, would be, you know, oh, really working on, you know, getting rid of stress in your life because the sleep and everything else and, and hormone regulation, if you are stressed, you can be doing all the perfect things, but that stress will really derail you. Yeah. Um, and then number if you're getting enough protein, if you're working on your stress levels, then diving into that warming and cooling eating can help regulate your cycle and help give your body a good pattern, especially going into perimenopause. When that timing can change, it gives your body a pattern to go off of because you're doing the warming and the cooling. Beautiful, Dr. Beth. Thank you again for being on the show today. And uh, just remind our listeners, where can people find you? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. Um, yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Beth Westy. I, um, my website is Dr. Beth Westy. And then my podcast is called the female health solution. Oh, and I'm on YouTube at Dr. Beth Westy. <laughs> well, all the things. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for your wisdom and for shining the light on the cycle and how can we manage ourselves right through these different phases. Yeah, well, thank you so much. In this episode, Dr. Beth Westy took us through the different phases of the menstrual cycle and how sleep and hormones intersect and interplay with each other. Let me share my perspective. We are so unique. It really begins by us tracking and understanding where we lose even keel. Tracking a few cycles 
and making sense of this data is the very first step to moving past imbalance. We have so much power within ourselves to shift imbalances and bring ourselves back to even keel. Through tracking, we'll realize where certain foods or emotions have triggered imbalance and we'll have the information that we need to restore even keel. Have a great day. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a qualified professional please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional it is in no way intended as medical advice or a treatment or cure for any condition be sure to always directly work with a qualified practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding If you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care, especially when it comes to chronic health conditions. Be sure to subscribe to the Sleep Whisperer podcast on your favorite podcast app to get each episode as soon as it launches.